Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. This is Friday, March 4th, 2022, and I will be talking about the war in Ukraine. But from a Russian perspective, this is possible, I believe, because one can see the other's point of view in a conflict without agreeing with the other's tactics. I would not wish to be seen as supporting the Russian invasion in any way because I don't. But I want to be free to examine evidence, draw my own conclusions without being told by opinion makers what to think. This is the 10th day of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, so a little history is in order. 31 years ago, the President of the United States, Ronald Reagan, and the Premier, our leader of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev, met to discuss a possible deal to allow the Soviet Union, which was financially broke and desperate, to end peacefully and end with dignity. The deal was that the 16 Soviet satellites or colonies would become separate independent countries. East Germany would remain divided, but the wall would come down, and then the two countries would be completely integrated. Reagan agreed that NATO would not expand beyond its present boundaries at that time. In other words, the Soviet colonies, now freed, would not become part of NATO. No NATO or U.S. troops would be stationed in the Russian borderland countries, and both sides would keep those countries free of offensive missiles. That part of the agreement was later formalized in a treaty to ban intermediate-range missiles from that part of Europe. American presidents have denied the authenticity or even the existence of the agreement, but Secretary of State James Baker was there, and he took notes, unfortunately for those deniers. He took notes so that the denial of the deal only adds to their hypocrisy. The deal was made to give the world a sigh of relief, a break, if you will, from the very long, very expensive, very dangerous Cold War in which mutually assured destruction was the order of the day. It came after a long series of dour, hardline Russian leaders and ended with the eloquent westernized Gorbachev, who was succeeded then after the agreement by the disastrous Boris Yeltsin. President Clinton reportedly took advantage of Yeltsin because of his greed and because of his alcoholism. NATO began its continual march to the east to Russia's border. During that time, the U.S. withdrew from the Inter Intermediate Range Missile Ban Treaty and moved missiles into Poland and Romania. Yeltsin held power for about 10 years, then power was transferred to a former colonel in the KGB European division named Vladimir Putin. Mr. Putin set out to build Russia's reputation and status as a great nation. His first tactic was to divert a large part of the Russian GDP to modernizing the Russian military, NATO, had advanced to the border of Ukraine by that time. There were constant rumors of Ukraine's join, joining the NATO treaty. The nation of Georgia was a target for NATO expansion when it became an open question. Putin invaded Georgia and put a stop to it. The West seemed to learn nothing from that, however. Fast forward to the year 2016 and the American presidential election in which Vladimir Putin and Russia were accused of interfering in the election on behalf of Donald Trump. For the next four years, that was a constant theme of the American media. But the Durham investigation revealed that Hillary Clinton campaign instigated the entire hoax. Other than that, it was a complete lie, but I'm sure that Putin was amused and outraged 
to be Clinton's scapegoat, the interesting part of all this and the complete hypocrisy of the American leadership came into view just two years before that. The president of Ukraine was Viktor Yanukovych, pro-Russian, corrupt in the tr Ukrainian tradition of corruption, but nevertheless freely elected. Putin was satisfied with a Russian-leaning government freely elected, but the United States was not satisfied. Protests occurred across the country, especially in the capital city of Kiev, due to the failing Ukrainian economy, the main square of Kiev, was known as Maiden. And that is where the protests got the name the Maiden Revolution. I'm not accusing the U.S. of instigating these protests. I don't know if that happened or not. Yanukovych had the country's economy in shambles. It was lagging far behind its neighbors. That is typical for a communist economy, as opposed to free market capitalism. So there were legitimate reasons for the protest, but the U.S. became the cheerleader of the protest, constantly fanning the flames. John McCain, then the ranking Republican on the Senate Armed Services Committee, went to Kiev to openly support the protesters. Victor, Victoria Newland, Assistant Secretary of State, made many trips to Kiev during the protest and during the election. She re reportedly took cookies to the protesters. I don't know if she made the cookies herself or not. That would have been a nice touch. They discussed in detail their preferences for the post Yanukovych government. This is known because Russian intelligence intercepted her phone calls and emails and released them to the media verbatim. Newland stated, quote, Yats is the guy, end quote. Who would be the best candidate? Referring to the chosen U.S. candidate, Arseny Yatsenovich, the U.S. conduct seems more like micromanagement of the management of the elections than it does to interference, but Vladimir Putin is not stupid. He watched while the U.S. installed the pro-Western government on his most vulnerable border, putting the West only 300 miles from Moscow for the next eight years. Putin pleaded time and again for a pledge that NATO would not take in Ukraine. By this time, Ukraine was openly aligned with the West and asking to enter NATO. The acceptance of NATO of NATO members requires a unanimous decision by all 27 current members. So the U.S. always used that as an excuse to say no to Putin. It's not our decision. It takes everybody. We don't control them. They said Putin once referred to the West as the empire of lies because of the eight years back and forth over NATO expansion. Finally, he moved into Crimea, or invaded, if you will, Crimea, retook the Black Sea naval base that had traditionally been Russian for over 300 years. Then he moved into the eastern Russian-speaking provinces of Ukraine, finally. He moved the equivalent of 10 infantry divisions plus armor and artillery to the Ukrainian border 10 days later. He invaded, I'm sure he was surprised, at the tenacity of the Ukrainian resistance plus the heroic gallantry of the soldiers and civilians of Ukraine. Why now? Why invade at this moment? In Putin's 2018 State of the Union address, he presented all the new Russian military weapons that the West did not have at that time, weapons such as the hypersonic missile capable of carrying both conventional and nuclear warheads, while the U.S. was building new supercarriers. The Russians were developing missiles to counter those carriers. The point is, he was sending a we're back messages to the West, but Western politicians and Western media were not listening. Putin sees the same videos we see 
the ones exacerbating Biden's obvious mental decline, the ones with Kamala Harris acting like a nervous schoolgirl, the ones showing the mental decline of Nancy Pelosi, that is the president, the president and the vice president and the next in line, the three people closest to the presidency. In other words, he was given clear evidence that the U.S. has weak and ineffective leadership and would not act. Don't forget America's defeat and humiliating retreat from Afghanistan. He saw that, too. Abandoning citizens and allies alike just after the 2020 election, when Biden was asked if he thought Putin was a killer, and he answered in the affirmative, Putin and the Russian people were listening. The comment didn't garner much attention in the Western media, but on Russia Today, it was very important. It was an insult to the Russian people and to their president personally, the story about the time he told Putin, quote, I've looked in your eyes and you have no soul, end quote. Didn't help either. That didn't help either. The West had many chances to avoid conflict, starting with the agreement itself, the election, in which the U.S. had to install a pro-Western government on Russia's border, and finally the refusal to pledge no more expansion of NATO all helped to explain it. We might just add that, as any U.S. president might say, well, if there's a country that must be invaded, I'll do it. Ukraine is good, Russia bad. Grenada, Panama, Nicaragua, Libya, Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq, all good. You may notice I left out Korea and Vietnam. That's because we were invited there, as we commonly are. I'm surprised Putin didn't set up a Ukrainian government in exile so he could be invited. Is Putin a war criminal? Perhaps, maybe so. But if he is, then so are a succession of U.S. American presidents. Russians tried to convince the West that for the world to have security, all parties had to feel secure, but the West just didn't get it or didn't care. Russia did not feel secure. Putin refused to continue to be insecure. This led to all the accusations in the American media of false flag attacks to justify invasion. The information is public knowledge because Russia released most of it to the public, but it takes some digging. Since we in the U.S. only get the news the mainstream wants us to see and hear of the meetings, leaked information point to the fact that the U.S. knew the invasion was on, as Biden assured us many, many times, but still made no effort to resolve it through dialogue and diplomacy. Putin explained that the situation with Ukraine was so threatening that it was unacceptable to him. Still, no one in the West seemed to be listening. The Cold War, in some ways, was more stable than what we have now. The two sides understood the danger and tried to do things, have agreements that reduced tensions and kept things more stable. Today, however, things have changed. Washington has changed. The 20th century, part of the Cold War, contained efforts to find mutual security through arms control. That's all disavowed now by the U.S. withdrawal from most of the treaties by the U.S. The U.S. position now seems to be one of, you must accept lower-tier status because we're a great power and you are not. No nation with 6,000 nuclear weapons can be treated like a third-rate vassal. Russia is no exception. Presidents and their advisors during the Cold War were constantly on the look for any nuance of consequences in Russia speak. For example, Putin's there will be dire consequences. Warning got no heed from the American government as it would have gotten during the Cold War. My greatest fear in all this is escalation, which has been war gained many times by both sides. 
a conventional war between Russia, China, and the U.S. with NATO as a partner would not be a pretty thing, but would it stop there? No nation is going to lose a war with missiles still in its silos, so nuclear annihilation might just be a foregone conclusion, especially when the missiles are mixed with the narcissistic egos of today's leaders. It doesn't have to be that way, folks, because Russia wants a security agreement. It's not willing to settle for less. To me, that seems like not too much to expect. The State of the Union this week, State of the Union speech, I should say, was all about Ukraine, flags and banners adorned the house, even the clothes of the courtiers listening. They always revel in telling us what to think, what to believe, despite the evidence. The war kept most of us in a mood to listen to him, but he didn't spend too much time on the actual State of the Union. It's obvious why President Biden doesn't have to wait for Vladimir Putin to destroy Western civilization. We've done a bang-up job of that ourselves. In fact, the entire West will not be much of a problem for Mr. Putin much longer unless changes are made and fast. The West is collapsing from its own moral degeneracy, its own self-hate. I'll defer to Paul Craig Roberts for an explanation of this. Quote, the West dishonors its founders, its heroes. The West tears down its own historical monuments, blacklists its own classic literature, teaches hatred of itself in its own universities and public schools. Now has created two powerful enemies. The West rejects its values. It has no morals, no respect for truth. The government has trampled the Constitution into the dirt. Yes, the U.S. is the Constitution. The U.S. has trampled itself into the dirt. The law schools are silent or encouraging of the destruction as the rest of the West is American empire. All goes down with the U.S., end quote. Sanctions may seem like a harmless way to meddle, folks, in the affairs of others, but actions have consequences. We will have to wait and see what the consequences are. I'm afraid that's a shutting off of people's money. People who are just Russian is an introduction, as in Canada, to the play our game or you don't play. That might just be in our future. Finally, folks, an old maxim of marketing is love me or hate me because there's no money in the middle. I'm just giving the other side of a struggle that the mainstream tells us has no other side. At least that's the way I see it, folks. Until next time, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.